Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. All right, here we go. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for the hope that we have in you. That we are with you, that you are near to us, and that we are nearer to you than we can ever imagine. That we are hidden with you. That when you appear again, we will be revealed and glory. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning. I pray that you would give us a hope that we never knew that we had. God, give us new hope, give us new life, and give us new breath this morning as we look upon you. In your name we pray. Amen. And so when I looked at this passage, what I see is it says right away, it says, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And so you kind of get this image of heaven, right? You're like, above heaven, right hand of God. That's, that's where Jesus is at. Jesus is in heaven. And then he says, set your mind on things that are above, things that are not on earth. And so it's like, well, if he's not talking about earth and he's talking about above and he's talking about where Jesus is, then he definitely has to be talking about heaven. And what I find is that when we think about heaven, our thinking kind of gets really muddled and really confusing really quick. There's a whole bunch of images of heaven that kind of come rushing to our mind. And what I found is that a lot of those images are frankly just not very compelling because they're not clear. Because they're not clear, we're like, why do I really want to hope in a place that I'm going to die and go somewhere someday and it's going to look like, I don't know, something about streets of gold and, you know, maybe some angels with some harps and some clouds. And we kind of have all of these weird and strange images about heaven and what it is. But yet Paul's saying, hey, put your focus on heaven. And so the question is, what does that mean? What does that look like? And what I find is that when we think about heaven, we think of it in kind of three different ways. We think of it, number one, in the place is that that is where we're going when we die. My hope is that the gospel message for so long has been put your faith in Christ and he will save you, and part of him saving you is that you get to go to heaven when you die. It's like a game show. You get to go to heaven when you die. And that's the good news. The second thing that we think of is that it's this kind of alternative spiritual reality. In Revelation, when we open to Revelation, like things get weird, and things get weird quick, and it's super spiritual, and it's and it's super interesting, and there's things going on that we don't understand, and there's images that we don't understand. And so we automatically start to think of like, well, heaven is somewhere else because I'm going to go there someday when I die. And it's super spiritual because that's what John saw. And so I'm going to be in some type of disembodied spirit, and that heaven is kind of somewhere else, someplace else. And I'm going to be there, and I don't know if it's going to look like consciousness. I don't know if I'm going to look like a ghost. I don't know. Maybe I'll have a body because something to do with the resurrection. Um, and we don't know if we're there immediately. We don't know if there's a time of waiting. It seems like there's a time of waiting. We don't really know what that's about. Um, but eventually, heaven's going to happen, and we're going to get in. And, you know, God's going to have a house. He's going to build. He's going to have my mansion 
for me. And things are going to be good. And this is the good news. These are some of the images of heaven that we have. And then finally, honestly, the ideas of heaven, like for as much as it might be relevant to us now, it's really, it's really not really relevant to us until we die. And so unless we're like thinking about death or death seems near, like our ideas and our thoughts of setting our sights on heaven, really not that relevant to here and now. And so I want to challenge kind of those three thoughts that heaven is somewhere else and that it's the spiritual other reality and that it's only relevant when we die. And I want to start that challenge by thinking of the idea is that what if heaven, instead of being someplace else, was this place where God came down to be with his people? Instead of heaven being a place where his people go up to him, what if heaven was a place that came down so that God could be with his people? When we turn to Revelation chapter 21, what we find is a city and a new heaven and a new earth, kind of like the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus. It absorbs the physical material body that is Jesus and Jesus is resurrected and he kind of he has a physical body but it's still this kind of like new transformed body. Jesus is able to pass through doors but yeah he's still able to eat. He's able to appear and disappear. It's a new body. It absorbed the old body and so we have this new heaven and new earth where there is transformation happening. And what we see in Revelation chapter 21 it says this and I saw the holy city New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride to be adorned for her husband. And we know this is marriage language. This is husband and wife language. This is the two becoming one. God said the husband and the wife become one. This is heaven and earth becoming one place. We often think of heaven there, earth here, and there's some divide. And in Revelation, it says the two are to become one. They're going to be wedded together. And they're going to be one. It's going to be heaven and earth, one place. And so this is what it says, comes prepared as a bride. It says, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. It's with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eye, and death shall be no more, and there shall be no more mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away, they've been transformed. And he who is seated on the throne will say, Behold, I'm making all things new. And he also said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And to the thirsty I will give of the spring of the water of life without payment. That is a new image of heaven. That is a new hope of heaven. That's an exciting picture of heaven, that heaven is not someplace that we go, but it's someplace that comes to us. It's that God wants to be with his people, and he's going to make all things new, that God isn't going to blow this earth up in fire and flames and said, good riddance, but he's actually going to come, and he's going to do the miraculous job and the hard work of healing it, of taking this place that was once broken and making it new again. The second idea that we need to get out of our brains is this idea that heaven is this place where we're going to have a disembodied spirit. 
We proclaim Sunday after Sunday, and especially last Sunday at Easter, that Jesus is the resurrected and that he is the first resurrected among many and that we will be resurrected someday. And this word resurrection in the New Testament means bodies. It means flesh and blood and bones. And there's this incredible vision, and I love this vision that God gives Ezekiel in the Old Testament. And I believe with, <laughs> with conviction in my heart that this is a picture of what resurrection might look like. It's this beautiful picture. And so I'm going to read it. Res <laughs> Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. It's kind of long, but just imagine. There's incredible imagery here of what this new body will look like on this new earth where Jerusalem comes down. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the middle of a valley. And this valley was full of bones. And he led me around them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O oh Lord God, only you know. And then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause a breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay soons <laughs> upon you, and will cause flesh to come over you. And I'll cover you with skin, and I'll put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, and, a, and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and behold, <coughs> there were soons over them, and flesh came upon them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, <laughs> prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord, come from the four winds, O breathe and breathe on these slain, that they might live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. And he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. And this house of Israel language, this is the language that we get in the new heaven and the new earth that is God redeeming Israel. And it's this language that we get in Romans chapter 8 and chapter 9 that we've been grafted in to the house of Israel, that we have been adopted sons and daughters into this place. And so this promise is for us. He says, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, say, our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We were indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord and that I opened your graves and that I am the one that raised you from your graves, O people. And I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land and you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. There's the hope that we will be resurrected with new flesh, with new bones, with new bodies, and that it will be here. It won't be there, but there will have come here, just as Christ came from there to here to be with us. That there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and that we will stand with resurrected bodies, bodies that will not decay, bodies that will have come back to life because God breathed his breath into it. I'm excited for that day. When people are like, hey, what are you excited about heaven for? I'm like, I'm excited for a new body. 
I'm excited for coming back to life. I think that's going to be pretty awesome. I'm going to die, and then I'm going to wake up again. And that's an idea that we don't have in our world today. We think, well, I'm going to wake up somewhere else. I'm going to wake up in nirvana. I'm going to wake up in the spiritual other. But man, what joy do we have that we're going we're gonna to wake up and we're going to have a body. And we're going to be able to touch each other and know each other and be in relationship with one another and be in relationship with God. The final thought that I want to address is this idea that this idea of heaven, this idea of resurrection is only relevant when we die. Because even in these first two, you're like, great, it's great, you know, Heaven's going to come down, awesome. Going to get a new body, awesome. You've given me a new imagination of what will be someday, but we're here. And that doesn't seem incredibly relevant to right now. But the reality is, is that that future reality is incredibly relevant and incredibly important to right now. Because what we find in Colossians is that we find that this commandment from Paul to the Colossians, it says, set your sights above, seek what is above. And then in the rest of Colossians, to the end of the letter, guess what he's going to talk about? He's going to talk about how we live life right now. How we live life here and now in community with one another in a community and relationship with him. And so somehow, some way, this idea of setting our sights and our hopes on heaven and on the future glory that's to come has something incredibly important to do with life right now and life that we do together. It's this idea of taking off and putting on. And what we see is that this place of heaven there in the future, and it being important right now, it is important right now because of one thing, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that the tomb is empty. Without an empty tomb, there is no hope for tomorrow. There is no hope for the future, and there's no relevancy even after death or even right now, for any hopes of kingdom or resurrection or heaven or any of that. But it's at the resurrection that we see heaven breaking through into earth. And we kind of get a sneak preview. We get a trailer of what's to come. And so I want to go there. I want to go there in Matthew 27. It's through his death and resurrection that we see heaven breaking through with incredible incredible power. And we read some of this, <coughs> um, parts of this this morning already. But here in, Rev- in Matthew 27, verse 50, says this, <clears throat> says, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yield up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks split And the tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Jesus dies on the cross. He gives up his spirit. The curtain in the temple rips. And as as the curtain of the temple rips, the presence of God rips out of the temple because that curtain, amazingly, that curtain and the minds of the Jewish people was holding back the presence of God. That the presence of God could only be contained in a special room. And that this special room was so holy that only the holiest of holy priests could enter it. But through Jesus' death, 
That curtain is ripped in two, and his spirit and his power and his presence is made available to everyone. And not only that, we see that this power is so strong, this idea of heaven ripping into earth is so strong that the earth shakes. And with its shaking, dead people come back to life. Dead people come back to life at the death of Jesus. We have a really hard time thinking about this. We're like, what was that like? Did they die again? Wasn't that weird for everyone else? Probably. (laughs) We don't get much other than people were raised and people saw them. And it was written down. We don't know the specifics. It's kind of like when Lazarus comes out of the grave, right? Lazarus comes out, there's a big party. And it's like, what happens to Lazarus? Like, he's got to die again, right? Like, he's, Lazarus, man, poor guy, dies twice. But yeah, he's raised up. This is heaven coming in and showing up. And there's an earthquake. And then three days later, the women come to the tomb. And when the women come to the tomb, it says, Now it was after Sabbath, and toward the dawn of the first day, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see him at the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, and the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone on it. Heaven broke into earth again, and there was so much power that the earth shook. The earth shook. This is the power of the resurrection. And this is the power that's present in each and every one of us. The tomb is empty. You see what Jesus has given us. He's given us this prayer. He says, you should be longing for this power. You should be longing for heaven to break through into earth. In this prayer, he says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You guys know what we're praying when we pray that prayer? We're praying, God, you who are in heaven, who is holy above all things, we want you here and we want you down here. We want to be in relationship with you. We want heaven to break through on earth. And he says, it's coming and it's coming through my son, Jesus. And you got to see it as the resurrection. And this resurrection of the power of the Holy Spirit coming through and bringing Jesus back to life, guess what? That power and that spirit is also in you. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to enable you to be able to go with the power that raised Jesus from the dead and be on mission in this world so that through you, heaven will break down into earth. That we will get visions of heaven future in our present tense now. Because that's what we got through Jesus, right? Jesus is this picture. He's the first one resurrected. And Jesus is like, hey, this is what you can hope for. Actually, Paul says that. Paul's like, Jesus is the first raised among the dead. We get to hope for that someday. It's future heaven ripping into present now. And I believe that he gives us his spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, so that we can go into heaven future and bring it back into present now. The church for a long time did this, and we were really good at it. We made hospitals, and we were major proponents of healing. We built schools and said that knowledge is important. We created shelters for those who had no home. We have CareNet in Madison to provide homes and shelters and care for those who wouldn't have anyone. This is about bringing heaven to earth, bringing future heaven to earth 
where there is no death, where there is no sorrow, and bring healing to it right now. Jesus, through the resurrection, through the empty tomb, says that new creation, that new creation I'm talking about, that's going to come in Revelation, it's actually happening right now. And I'm going to use you to do it. And so the empty tomb creates for us, (laughs) everything kind of changes. Everything kind of changes. What's amazing is that it reshapes mission for us. When we look at Jesus, when we look at the ascension, so Jesus is raised from the dead and he walks with us for 40 days. That's why the Easter season is 40 days. And then he goes up into heaven. And you would think that if heaven was about this place that we would go and this place that we would hope for and this place that we'd have some disembodied spirits, that Jesus would talk about heaven more. And especially like as he's about to go to heaven, right? Like you would think that he would say, hey guys, this is what heaven's like. Look forward to seeing you there. But instead, he doesn't say any of that. Instead, he says in Matthew 28, this. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always till the end of the age. Jesus was about his kingdom coming and his kingdom staying and his kingdom growing throughout the earth. What we need to realize is that this whole earth, Jesus has been given rule and power and authority over. There is no corner of the earth that Jesus has not claimed. And so when we talk about the dark sides of the earth or we talk about, oh, it's so dark there. Oh, God can't possibly be there. That's not true. That's a false imagination of And we're limiting the power of the resurrection and of our Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because Jesus says, I have come and all power over all the earth has been given. And guess what? It's been given, the power that's been given to me, it's now been given to you. Now go. Go to those dark corners. Go to those places where you believe that I'm not present and make my name known. Bring heaven future into present now. And so we should go. We should go on mission we should go with creativity. Jesus says, go with the gifts that I have given you. And Paul, when he talks about the resurrection, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says this, he says, Therefore, my brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. We have some work to do. We've got a mission to go on. And it's this picture of heaven, of new heaven and new earth and new resurrected bodies where there is no pain, where there is no tears. And it's saying, Lord, may you bring heaven to earth and may you use me to make that happen. May you use me to make that happen. And when we look at the resurrection, it's not just mission that's changed, but it's also our worship. Our worship changes. Our worship becomes incredibly engaging because death is no more. And that's worth celebrating. Anyone been to a funeral lately knows death feels incredibly unnatural. Death is incredibly difficult to swallow. There's always questions of why. Why now? But man, there's great celebration in knowing that someday, future heaven's going to rip through and there's going to be new bodies and there's going to be new relationships and those things are going to be restored. That for us, 
death is not the end. And so we worship. We worship because this life with new mission is a life worth living. It's a life worth going. And we get to pray prayers that are worth praying. God has given us power to pray prayers that seem outrageous. And all we have to do is flip through the books of the Gospels to see outrageous things happening. I mean, people that haven't walked in years stand up walking. People that haven't seen in years open their eyes. The resurrection blew the disciples' minds away because in their idea of the Messiah, death wasn't part of it. And so that's why you see the disciples being like, no, you're the Messiah. And Jesus is like, no, I'm going to die. And they're like, no, but our paradigm for Messiah has no place for you to die. And that's why you see those guys on the road to Emmaus walking away from Jerusalem with their heads hung low and be like, that Jesus guy wasn't who he hoped. It's because Jesus is doing something new and he's doing something miraculous and he's doing only something that he can do through the resurrection. And I believe that the things that he, only he can do, he wants to use you to go do it. Finally, it affects our discipleship. I think it's worth noting that, like I said earlier, the rest of Colossians is about life here and now. Colossians chapter 3, <laughs> verse 5, next week's verse, says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And then in verse 12, he says, As God's chosen ones, holy beloved, put on these things. And so it's this idea that life together looks like we're, we're going to take away all the things that look like death, decay, destruction, things that bring death, decay, destruction, and heartache to people. We're going to try and take those things off, and instead we're going to put on things of what? Of new heaven and new earth, things that look like compassionate hearts and kindness and humility and patience, things that bring people into life. And then he's going to say, hey, let's apply this to your whole life. Let's apply this to your marriage. Let's apply this to the way you raise your kids. Let's apply this to the way that you worship. Let's apply this to the way that you relate to your brother and to your neighbor. Heaven is incredibly relevant to us today, here and now, especially if we believe in the prayer, Lord, may you bring heaven on earth. And God, may you do it through me. And so as I look at this verse, as we read it again, it says, as you've been raised with Christ, you see it's in the present. We haven't died. How can we be raised? But Paul says, look, there's no use for earthly things anymore. There's no use for you thinking that you're going to die and that you're going to decay, even though you are. You need to live in the reality that we are raised. And because we're raised, we need to seek the things that are in heaven that are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on this earth, for you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And that's that future resurrection verse right there. When Christ, who is your life, appears. And he's talking when he appears again in the future. We will also appear with him in glory. And glory is a status. It's not that we're going to be light, that we're going to be like light, but it is this, the status of holiness and of perfection, that he's going to take everything that is earthly in us and remove it, and he's going to transform us into new life. And Paul's saying, let's start that now. Because of Jesus, because of the resurrection, it started now. You don't have to wait until you die. 
to start experiencing heaven now. We can begin now by setting your sights on things that are above. And so this week, I hope that we would set our sights above, that we would live confident in the victory over death that we have, that we would set our sights on above, that we would have hope for today, hope for today that today matters, that life matters, and that God is calling you to do things in your life that matter, and that that work will not be seen as vain. And that's because the tomb is empty. Easter has continued. It's not just confined to one day of the year, but it continues. And I have been under this conviction that from Sunday to Sunday, we've lost focus of that. From Sunday to Sunday, we just come in, we sing our songs, I give the message. Even myself have lost vision that the Easter is most central to what we do as a church. It's most central to what we do as a body. And that the resurrection is the thing that should motivate us to go in worship, to go in discipleship, and to go in mission. And so as we've kind of refocused our vision and we've gotten sharper, <laughs> as we're starting to do new things in the service, it's my hope and it's my heart that we would not lose sight of Easter. That we would not see Easter as just one day that we get dressed up and we go looking for eggs after and hang out or kill a bunny after or whatever it is that we do, you know, but that we would see Easter as this thing that shapes every day, not just Sunday, but that Easter would be the thing that shapes every day as we walk, talk with our friends, as we work with our coworkers, as we do the work that God has called us to do. I mean, you guys know at Epic that you guys have an incredible job. I know you guys might not think it, but this is what I think of you guys in your job. I know this is kind of spontaneous, but I just wanted to kind of give you my perception of your job and how it might relate to this idea of future heaven being brought into reality now. So you might think that your job is kind of meaningless and trivial. You just sit at a computer all day. You enter code. It's not really beautiful. It's kind of technical. You might for a moment be like, ah, that problem, that was good. I was clever there. That was great. You solve problems all day. You have people that you work with. You go to meetings. Things don't execute the way that you are. You're always behind. It's always frustrating. You're just like, why am I at this job typing at this computer? I don't really know what difference it's making in the world. But I want you to know that God, at the beginning of times, tells humans to go and create and to bring order to creation. And so throughout time, we've brought order to creation to the point to where you can use a computer. And what you're doing at that place is that you're creating something new. You're creating something that has never been created before. You are using a craft and an art to put together a computer program that will eventually go to doctors, that will eventually affect patients, that will hopefully eventually save lives and bring quicker healing. That feels like heaven work. That feels like kingdom work. Even though you might sit at your computer typing in code, fixing code, and you might say, man, I'm just this cog in this wheel and that if I left, Epic wouldn't notice. I want you to know that your job is significant and that your job has value in the kingdom of heaven and that it has value in bringing heaven to earth right now. And I want to challenge every one of us, whatever craft or whatever art that it is that you do, I want you to think in those terms. How is what you're doing significant to the kingdom of God future, bringing it into the present now? Because God has given us this command to go and create, to go and do. And a lot of times we think the only people that can go and create and go and do are artists. 
but I would say every one of us is an artist in our own way. No one calls your computer code art, but it's incredibly functional art. And it is an art. No one can go do it. You have to be trained in it. You have to grow in your skill in it. No one would look at the garbage man that goes throughout the week as an art. Man, you really, you really dumped those the garbage cans well. But you know what? It's a craft that we need. And, we need. and it's a craft that we need to go well so that we can take care of that trash. It's not just the trash that goes from our home into the garbage bin, but it's also the people that design the landfill, that design the recycling facilities, so that we can maintain and take care of our earth well. And so being a garbage man is kingdom work. It cleans up the trash. It prevents us from living in filth. It brings aesthetic beauty to our homes and prevents us from living in stench and reek. You see, heaven is breaking through all around us, even in simple ways, even in vocational ways. So I just want to challenge us this morning as we set our sights above that God might challenge us to think, how does heaven future relate to heaven to to earth present? And how can God use me and use how God has wired me to bring that to fruition? Would you guys pray with me? Dear Lord God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time that we have to come together and worship you, to truly connect with your spirit, to worship together with one another, being encouraged with the saints. God, I thank you for saving us. I thank you that we are already with you that we are raised with you as you conquered death, as the earth shook. And God, I pray that we would live in that reality this week, that we are resurrected beings, and that we have confidence that even when we die, even when we decay, that you're going to come back and you're going to put us together bone to bone from dust. You will create us again, and that we will stand before you as the redeemed people of Israel, and we will celebrate with you as you stand and say, look, I did it. God, may we worship that future reality now here with us together in this room as we take of your communion and as we sing praises of our people. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we thank you for the hope that you've given us today. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.